Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. questions i don't think we'll need them but you can put them in the chat welcome fake book twitter twitch d live and youtube broadcasting as true this is the jim fanning show and as usual thank you to the house band pastor henry thank you for taking the time i really appreciate it i've got your website up now it is the church of Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. You've become a popular man these days. Tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and how you got to where we are these days. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So my name is Pastor Henry Hildebrandt. As you mentioned, I live in Elmer, Ontario, Canada, not far from London, Ontario. I immigrated to Canada with my wife in 19... 86, 1985, sorry, 1985, and uh, love to live in Canada. We have uh, two boys, which we're thankful for. They're both married, have six grandchildren. Um, God has blessed us. We're very thankful for that. Here we are in 2021, uh, quite, quite the battle that we are involved in, but at the same time, very encouraged to be what the Lord wants us to be and to take a stand uh, during this important, important time. And before we get into your specific situation, tell me a little bit about the hope that you feel, because I'm interested that you led with that. You're optimistic, it sounds like. How can you be when it seems like we're living revelation at some level and that, you know, I, I don't want the answer to be, well, I just put all my faith in God. How can you be a whole, a hopeful and optimistic now with so much obvious tyranny with the government at all levels sure so number one of course we have god uh, to rely on uh, number two it helps me that i'm by nature a uh, positive i i see i see that the glass is half half full okay. not half empty all right. um, but i look around and i see that uh, people are waking up it's slower than we would wish 
but it is happening. It is happening more and more. Pastors are realizing, uh, I mean, it's now going on, what is it, 14, 15, 16 months. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, it was just a couple of weeks. But now people are seeing what is actually happening. So my a big big time my, where my courage comes from is to see that people are actually waking up, recognizing I'm getting calls uh, from different people telling me, Pastor, I, I used to not see it, but I do see it. Mm. Um, so that gives me hope to to realize that uh, it's not it's not over. We are we're still there's still hope. What do you think some of the biggest false narratives that you work to uh, dispel are right now? What are the biggest lies that you're up against that you think people are finally coming around to? Sure. So I would say that the biggest one is uh, that they're telling us that it's almost over and that it'll all be back to normal, that it'll all be good. Um, It's not. It's not. They're clearly letting us know that it's not by their actions, uh, by their plans, by what you read by what they talk it's it's obvious that they, that there's a lot more behind this than it first appears so uh and it's 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 just not true it's just not true what they're telling us um that it's that it's almost we're almost there that's all good it's not now i get the feeling that you've done this before you've probably had other interviews broadcast i'm just thinking now in real time Am I going to be on my last leg? Is this going to give me my final YouTube strike? Anything we discuss further? Like, have you have you experienced a level of censorship like I have? Uh, medical misinformation is what they call it. Um, and I'd like to stay away from anything that gets me my third strike because I'm barely hanging on to my sixth channel on YouTube after being just heavily censored for the most ridiculous things. It's unbelievable. Um, how have you... Uh, seen the current media relations or um, do, have you had any struggles getting your word out? Have you had suspensions from any social media accounts because you're speaking truth? So, so far it's, it has not been a problem. Um, I try to, I try to stay away from striking directly. Uh, I, I would say my burden primarily has been to raise awareness uh, to let people know, look, did you hear this? Do you see this? Uh, did you were you aware of that? So just to at least raise awareness and let people make the decision or let people see it for themselves, uh, I feel like that has helped me greatly. And what's the most recent attention you've been receiving? I I know that you're heavily fined. Uh, what has brought you prominence these days in the media? specifically so it would be our sunday morning services of course that has been the biggest thing uh, in the last weeks uh after they i guess the, the very biggest thing was when they uh, when the sheriff with a bunch of officers came in and locked our building um that i mean over over four hundred thousand people have seen that just on youtube um it's tremendous so i would say that has by far been uh, the biggest thing that made people aware of what was actually going on here in the little town of elman okay so and you're not the only christian pastor that's been oppressed or did they in fact arrest you or no you're facing any charges or i have not been arrested yet okay yes i have not been arrested yet but you're in the company of another few pastors i guess that have been facing uh, harassment, it seems, 
from law officials or uh, police or bylaw officials or what have you. Uh, how many do you think you know there are across the country that are facing what you're facing? So as you probably are familiar with and your listeners is uh, uh, at Calgary uh, and Edmonton. So Alberta has been quite heavy handed as far as uh, jailing their pastors, Pastor Coates being the first one there and then Pastor Tim Stevens, Pastor Art Polovsky. So those are the three uh, main ones. Um, I guess there's a bit of a difference from one province to the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here in Ontario, it's more fines and court uh, dates than it is over there, I guess. There, they seem to be very ready to put somebody in jail if if needs be. So um, it's it's been a handful of us here that have been basically, um, well, there's others in this area here uh, in Kitchener, the uh, Trinity Bible Church there is locked. Uh, they have been fined there, not as heavily as we have been, but um, the uh, the pressure has been on, yes. So do you feel Christians are being targeted specifically? Is this an even-handed approach when it comes to enforcing the law, or do you think you know Christians are being singled out particularly? So I feel that Christians have been singled out, churches have been singled out, uh, and my explanation for that would be, that's the only thing I can think of why that would be, is that we are a threat uh, to the government when we say things like that we have our king who is above all kings, which is Jesus Christ, and that we have a Lord who is above all lords. So uh, I, I guess that must be a threat to them. And when we say things like we must obey God rather than men, um, and when we don't bow to their to their rules and, and regulations and mandates, Uh, I guess that is uh, alarming to them, but I think, again, it is mainly the the main reason for signaling out the churches is that they feel like that they are not our ultimate authority. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, obeying God over man, and then, you know, I know I don't know scripture that well, but I know that there's some in there that says also obey men in authority, obey your government, because, you know, they're there by god's order somehow i guess you know so where do you draw the line between saying no to tyranny and saying okay if they want me to get vaccinated they know better than i and the bible tells me to you know do what my government says right so first of all we have to remember that long before there was government there was god uh we cannot forget that uh we also have to remember that even our charter of rights and freedoms in canada says that uh, canada was founded uh, founded on the recognition of the supremacy of God. Uh, so that was no strange thing back then. It is a strange thing now, but it wasn't back then. Also, uh, where I draw the line is when the government stays in their lane, uh, we can work with that. If they tell me to drive on the right side of the road or drive on the left, or right. if they tell me to, uh, what I have, I have to get a building permit before I can buy a home, uh, build a home, right. on and on and on and on. I understand that. I get that. It's not a problem. But when the government steps out of their lane and steps into the lane where the Bible tells us what to do, that's when we have to stand up and and tell them as aggressive as needs be or as polite as we can tell them just get back in your lane because right now they're stepping into the lane that they don't belong to. And Romans 13, where it talks about obeying the government because God has placed it there is not at all talking about 
uh, when it comes them demanding things of us that are totally against the Bible. For example, when they tell us that we cannot gather as the church and Hebrews 10 tells us not to forsake the gathering of ourselves, then which one am I going to listen to? Uh, so I have no problem understanding that there's a Romans 13. But uh, as I told some, I said, well, the book of Acts comes before the book of Romans. And in the book of Acts 4 and 5, it says, obey God rather than man. And we have clear directions from God. And we can also look at Bible examples like Daniel, uh, you know, when he was asked to do things, not to pray for 30 days. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? So not to pray for 30 days. He went right back to the exact same window where he was before. When the three Hebrews were told to bow down to that golden image, they said, no, we're not doing that. And of course, they could have just bowed down and prayed to Jesus Christ. Like the uh, people would say today, just you can just just do that. Just not kneel down and you don't have to pray to that image. You can just call on Jesus. No, that's not the point. The point is that we don't bow down to that image. And it is no different for us today. Um, I think there's a big difference between pastors who are very concerned about keeping their reputation. And I think there's pastors, a lot of them, not a few of them, who are very dependent on government uh, financial assistance. And if they have their hands in there, then obviously it's going to be very difficult for them to take a stand. And I thank God that I am not bound by those things to the government because I am bound to the Bible and I'm willing to stand up for the Bible, whatever it takes. Speaking of the Bible, this might seem like a cheesy question, but I, I consider myself a failing newbie to the faith, even though I've, I've been a believer all my life. I joke that I hedged my bets early because I don't want to, you know, as a child, I, I said, I don't want to get to heaven. And all I had to do was believe. So, wow, what the hell? You know, I'm, I'm the time on earth, I'll hedge my bets and believe. I, I say that jokingly half, half truthful. Um, I know that it's impossible to pull one verse from the Bible that speaks to you more than anything else does, because every time you open the Bible, you get a different message, even from the same verse. But, you know, in my red pilling over the last few years, I mean, even in 2015, I was still a socialist lefty, but they weren't crazy in 2015. So I've come center right. And, you know, I'm a Max Bernier supporter now. Great to meet you at the event the other day. And I've come back to, I think Shapiro's talked a lot about it too. And I think this is, you know, we should start many discussions with the idea that we're all one race. There's only one race and it's humanity. And you spoke earlier about these inalienable rights given by God, protected by the government. That's supposed to be how it goes. And I keep coming back to Genesis 1, 26, 1, 27. I can't even believe I'm pulling out quoting verses here because it's just not my style. But this idea that, we are all Donald Trump. We are all God. We're created in God's image. It doesn't matter our, you know, our culture, our skin type, uh, our skin color, or what have you. I keep coming back to the foundation of morality and the laws that guide us today. Started with Genesis one twenty six. If you could only preach a couple verses, what would what's one of the most powerful verses for you? I know it sounds kind of corny asking a man of God that, but I'm interested. Sure, sure. Well, uh, as you know, for a man of God, the, fir- the first thing we refer to is God. Uh, and, and I think it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, reference there that you're mentioning Genesis 126, we're made in the image of God. And there's a, a ma- mankind is, has, is, is, is of two parts. We are, we are flesh, but we're also, this is the spiritual part, the soul is there. And no man on planet earth 
will be totally satisfied until they resign to their maker, which is God, uh, and be at peace with their maker. It's not possible to be otherwise totally satisfied. It's just, it just isn't. Um, so I'd like to point people back to God, but in a way where it, it makes sense to them that it is, it is, uh, God is the fulfilling of that desire that they feel, even if they don't know what to call it, even if they don't know why, why am I dissatisfied with life? Well, it's because you need to be at peace with your creator. And once you are at peace with your creator, there's nothing like it. I'm interested. I was talking to my men's group the other day. Um, and I'm also, I'm always interested in, you know, fishing for souls and, you know, if people are lost, I can't think of a better gift than to lead them somewhere that makes them better, you know, and the church has been that for many people for a long time. Um, my father used to call them Bible thumpers, right? Because they beat you with the Bible and you're bad. And growing up Catholic, I kind of was used to that, but he ran from them, a Christian man of Catholic faith and made it important for his children to grow up Catholic. Um, and I all, you know, seen in my men's group, we've got the, like, I don't believe that all religions are created equally. I don't believe that all cultures are created equally. I like my Western okay. civilization. I like my Christianity. And I think they're better than the rest. That's why I'm here. I'm an Eagles fan because that's my team. I'm not leaving. I'm loyal. I wonder about your thoughts on leading, but without being that Bible thumper as a pastor, obviously, I mean, you lead with the Bible, but I'm talking about, you know, if, if your argument goes to, I just trust in the Lord, then people kind of turn you out. I'm wondering, you know, if you have any, any experience at using the carrot and the stick to lead people to the, to the questions that they're looking for, the answers for the questions they're looking for and back to faith without, you know, making them wrong and beating them up or really recruiting them because they need Jesus at some level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So number one, I would say is leading by example. Uh, you don't push people into it, but you, you let them follow you. And uh, that means that you and I will have to be followable so that people can follow us. Um, and then my next point would be, uh, I, I start, first started preaching when, in 1990 when I was 27 years old, 1991, actually. So um, I feel like my biggest success in my ministry has been by connecting with people. And obviously, whatever good I did is glory goes to God, it, the honor goes to him. But I'm saying what I feel like has been my most successful tool in winning souls is connecting with them. So when I get up to preach, and I preach many messages by the grace of God, but when I get up to preach, my first goal is to connect with the audience and then take the audience with me and connect them with God. And in, in spiritual terms, we would call that anointing. We would say when God with his Holy Spirit anoints the word, because really as a preacher, I'm only a conduit. God does whatever I do, God does it through me. So as I connect with the people, I'm really connecting with them with God. And then God anoints, God blesses, God uh, uh, affirms with the, with the spirit of God what is being said. And at the end of the message, I feel so successful. If I feel like the people were brought in contact with God and they felt led 
they feel they 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 want to follow it's like it's like uh, not that long ago i was speaking at a rally in toronto and a man came to me afterwards after i was done speaking and he said pastor he said i'm an atheist but he said you sure are tempting me wow um that's that's what i'm talking about that's what i'm talking about that's what i desire and that's what the lord has helped me to be is an example uh, that they can follow and right. when i preach with passion and that's why i think it's so so terrible if a person preaches because it's their job mm. if they are a hireling uh, by god's grace i've never been a hireling and i never will be by god's grace i said so i i do what i do passionately from the bottom of my heart i my whole system is involved when i preach i preach my heart out like they say uh, it's not a job for me. It is. It is a calling because God has called me, and it's the greatest reward in life for me is to see souls connected with God and connected with me as their as their uh, uh, leader, as their pastor. is is glorious. is glorious for me to see that made to make that connection. Tell us about the history of your faith personally. You know, I spoke to my men's group years ago, and I said I. I prayed last night, God, if you're there. And then I went, <gasps> what a, like, I couldn't even believe those things left my lips. What a heathen, what an unbeliever, what a bad Christian. I, I just beat myself up. And my men have a really good way of reminding me I'm not special. And everyone struggles with their faith. And sometimes they plead to God, are you there? You know, and it sounds like it's not very faithful, but I guess many faithful men have prayed that way. Uh, and I get that testimony is so important for leaders and teachers like you. I consider you a teacher because that's what you're doing. I know. I wonder if you could just enlighten us a little bit on the history of your faith. Did it? Did you ever struggle in it? Did you grow up this way? Do you ever feel like, oh, I remember the minute I got saved? I, you know, I tell my boys, oh, that's so Christianese because I don't have a moment where I go, oh yeah, I was saved on this day when I went in. The baptism didn't do it for me. So, anyways, just a a little bit about the history of your faith and and maybe how that leads into testimony because I think that is that is how we lead and that is how we fish for souls is by saying, you know what, I'm a, I'm horrible at this. And here's how God helped me out. Yes. So let me let me take you way back. I was actually born. This this might be surprising to you. I was actually born into a Mennonite family, way back, way back in the back forties, like they say. Okay. In my case, it was the back eighties. So <laughs> I was born to a Mennonite family. They drove horse and buggy, no electricity, um, shut off from the world, just totally, totally um, away from it. Um, but as you may know, um, and, and this is not to bash the Mennonites, but just to show you a reality, a lot of, uh, them where I grew up, um, including my parents, a lot of it was tradition and my religion, my faith today is not, uh, based on tradition, but it is based on conviction based on personal experience with God. So I was born into a Mennonite family, like I said, and then my father, thank God for my father. He was a man uh, all his life that was seeking truth. He passed away last year at the age of 89 years uh, old. So he was a real, real truth seeker and took his family 
step by step. I was born into a family of nine children and he took us step by step and kept on looking, where do I find, where do I find truth? And he went from there to another Mennonite group and they had a little more light, like we would say, and talked more on what it means to have a personal experience with God. And then on and on and on from there and just kept on looking, kept on looking, where do I find what I want for my children? He did not want us to grow up like he did, where he was just not aware of what it meant to have a personal experience with God. So my father prayed with us. My father read the Bible to us. Um, my father was a real, real example that way. So a lot of what I am is because of my father. So today, uh, this is 57 years later. I was born in 1963. Um, now uh, I am, of course, my father's no longer here. My mother's gone, but I have. they have planted something in me that said, stand for the word of God, stand for the truth, whatever it takes. So today I would say I'm a Bible Christian, not by tradition, although traditionally speaking, I, I grew up in a Christian home and always leaned that way or, or they made me or they trained me and raised me up that way that, that God is, is, is God and that that is the most important thing in, in life. And I'm glad they taught me that. But today, what I have, my faith is very, very personal to me. It's a personal conviction my faith is so important to me and so foundational or so profound that I would say, and I say this carefully, that if my faith is not worth dying for, it's not worth living for. How much, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I really have always felt very private about my faith. My parents didn't tell each other who they voted for in the voting booth. My mother wasn't, you know, um, religious or had a strong faith until she made a deal with God coming out of a stroke. <laughs> you know, I know you can't make a deal with God, but she said, and she was thinking about me, I'm too young. Jimmy couldn't handle this. I'll put the smoke out and I'll never smoke again. And God took care of her for a very long time. And she was faithful. Um, I, I just, uh, I wonder, you know, oh, my brain just exploded now. Um, <laughs> can't remember where I was going with that, man. When the, when the host loses his train of thought, it's, uh, it's epic, uh, sorry about that. where I was going with my mother. Anyways, uh, oh, privacy of faith. I mean, they joke with me in my men's group because I only, I don't like raising my hands in church. Okay. Uh, I don't make the sign of the cross. I do it privately because I grew up Catholic. But in my church, they don't do that. So I don't do that there. You know, I wonder about, you know, and people say, well, it's just pride. And I'm really sensitive to ego judgment and pride. I, I pray every time to, to be healed. I hope the planet is healed from that because I think we suffer from it so much. But on the, the same note, where do you draw the line between leading with testimony and the other side of the coin, which is if everyone just kept their faith to themselves, man, this might be a little bit more tolerant society. Mm. So I think there's a place for both. I think it is important that people have a personal faith. But uh, I guess I'll for a moment speak about if you are a leader, it's not possible. Uh, like I said earlier, we have to lead by example. Uh, I have to show people and some would actually even even in my situation, some would actually think 
that I am proud or that I am, I lift up myself or whatever. Uh, and that's not the case. I feel like that I am uh, by the grace of God, uh, that I am, I am what I am only by the grace of God. And I don't feel at all that I am proud, but as a leader, I have to stand up and lead the way and tell people how to do it and how not to do it. Uh, but I think it is extremely important that we let people know uh, what our faith is. Uh, but I don't think we're all the same. I think some people are more drawn back. Uh, and I, I respect that. Uh, I respect that. Uh, I don't have the privilege to just, uh, if you want to call it a privilege, I don't have the privilege to just keep it to myself. I have to be pretty outspoken because uh, people like you and others ask me where I stand. <laughs> Obviously. And uh, if you had a message for government, what are you telling them? Uh, what is your message to Prime Minister Trudeau? Uh, our, our provincial leaders, Doug Ford, in my case, in Ontario, and even some of the municipal leaders, um, what are it, what it's story are you trying to propagate and what is your message to these leaders? So my message to them is what I said yesterday on the uh, by the Supreme Court building in Ottawa, July 1st was yesterday and we were there, thousands of people were there. My message to them is, as I told the group yesterday, is lest we forget, uh, we were told, the Bible teaches us that we should not forget because when we forget, we remove uh, something very, very important. Um, there is, uh, like, like Woodrow Wilson once said, he said, a nation which does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today, nor what it is trying to do. We are trying to do a futile thing if we do not know where we came from or what we have been about. So for example, at our at our parliament building in Ottawa, there's 25 Bible verses engraved either in wood or stone. The Peace Tower has extremely important Bible verses. Our prime minister never, ever makes reference to those Bible verses, never, ever. Uh, on, for example, the Peace Tower where it faces the West, where it faces the Supreme Court building, uh, the verse of scripture is there where there is no vision, the people perish. So my message to the government is on any level is you do not take away the foundation. You don't take away the foundation. Don't remove the ancient landmarks expecting that the house will stand. The house will not stand. And that's why on our Canadian uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, it says, whereas Canada is founded, upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God. So that's our foundation. That's Those are, are the ancient landmarks. You don't remove them. And presently in Canada, they are being removed. And that's why we are in dire need of repentance from our government officials to go back to the foundation uh, to where they, like, like the Honorable Diefenbaker, he said, I am a Canadian a free Canadian, free to worship God. So the problem right now in 2020, why we're jailing the, the uh, preachers, why we are fining the churches, our church, for example, right now here, right in our little town, we have a fine of $273,500 uh, on, on our heads. So why is that? That can only be done once you forget where you came from and what Bible verses you have engraved at your parliament buildings. You know what I mean? 
That's my message to the government is don't forget, look back where you were so that we can safely go forward. I can see the passion building in you when you start to talk about politics and the foundations of society. And, you know, Nietzsche, you know, lamented, we killed God. And yes. he said we would pay a price for it with yes. blood. And we have. It's impossible to think that you can remove the foundations of a successful society, Western civilization, right. over millennia. I'm talking right. about a traditional marriage, the yes, traditional sir. family home, the Judeo-Christian values. Mm. Um, I wonder what your take is on the political spectrum. I told you I've been red-pilled since my last election in 2015. I ran as a Green. The Greens weren't crazy social justice warriors in 2015. The left left me because they've abandoned so many of the principles that I find most important freedom of speech freedom to bear arms whatever it is stay out of my life basically mm -hmm. let me gather let me see who I want so just without you getting too intensely political about it I'm interested in your thoughts on the political spectrum left versus right now and where you find yourself lining up I guess it must be moderately middle or on the right you know you associate yourself with Randy Hillier and, and Max Bernier which I think have been sent by God to deliver the message of the day. Thank God for them because there's not many men standing for traditional values for uh, Western civilization. I just wonder your thoughts on the political spectrum right now. Sure. So uh, you guessed it right. I'm not, I'm not heavily uh, political because I'm a pastor. Although I do see, I do see the importance and that's the reason why I am associating myself with these men because anybody right now that stands um, for what is right, that stands for the uh, traditional values, that stands for the Bible, that that will that is willing to claim that God is God, and that the churches have their place, I will associate myself with them, uh, whoever they are, because I feel like they are the messengers of the day. And uh, whether it's Randy Hillier or Maxine Bernier or Derek Sloan. Whenever I sense that in their in their heart that they uh, that they fear God and that they recognize that God is supreme, that attracts me to them and that attracts me that that makes me pray for them. That makes me associate myself with them and encourage them and tell them this is what we need. Leaders like you that recognize the supremacy of God, that recognize that church is essential. That church is essential. That should never even come up for discussion because that's the foundation. Can you get back to an uh, instance that you use for testimony, like your story? You know, I know that men in my circle that are far better leaders than me always have an example of the day, you know, of uh, maybe the day you realized that it was your calling or God's will for you to be a man of faith and to preach his word. I just wonder, you know, what's your testimony that you lead with, with, you know, people that might not know who you are and might not be close to Jesus either. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I do not recall the day that I was saved. Uh, days in those, in those times, days were not, the calendar, the calendar date wasn't the most important. The most important was that you made the experience. 
but I don't I don't despise if people know the day, their 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 date. But anyway, and I also don't recall the day that God called me to preach. All I know is from a very young age, I felt drawn towards God. And I, although the devil was working hard too and trying to get me what we would call go into the world and just throw my life away. Mm. At the same time, I felt drawn to God, but I always wished that if, if I always, I was, I was, I felt drawn towards preachers that didn't apologize every other word that they said. I, I was drawn to preachers that spoke direct without apology and took a stand and let the people know where they were. So from a very young age, well, I'll tell you something that might be a little comical, but when I, I grew up with a number of, of the siblings and we would play church and guess who the preacher was. Uh, and I, 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 even in those days we played church, I would preach my heart out. And uh, one time my brother started crying. He was older than I, and he started crying. And he said, uh, I said, why are you crying? He said, well, I, I want to get saved. No, no. I said, we're just playing church. We're just playing church. So um, I'm, I'm saying there was something in me from a young, very young age, um, and I see it as a tremendous responsibility. I never take it light, but at the same time, it's a very, very precious calling. I'll say this very respectfully, but I feel like a preacher has the highest calling in this world only because they can lead people to God and they can help that these people can get eternal life, which means when this world passes away, that they have something to go to after this life and that is very rewarding. And by the grace of God, I want to hear the words one time, one day in my life, I want to hear the words, well done, thou faithful servant. Amen to that. How does God speak to you? You know, I complain that my squelch is not finely tuned because um, if he speaks to me, I usually don't listen. He usually, even if he screams at me, I'll recognize it, and it seems like I, I don't get on his path. And, I, you know, I used to use I used this analogy, and my parents used to try and get my uh, attention by flashing the lights when I lived in the basement, and the music was too loud. And if that didn't work, they threw a phone book down the stairs, and <laughs> when that landed flat on the concrete, you knew it. And I feel like God somehow takes the choices out of my hands and he throws the phone book down the stairs to get my attention. I go, okay, okay, I give, I give, you know, and I constantly say, where am I supposed to be here? You know, like, where do you want me? How do you want to use me? Uh, because I'm an idiot. My path is corrupt. So if I'm on your path, I feel good. And so I wonder, you know, how you balance, oh, God's got ex got me exactly where he wants me. I don't need to do a thing and being proactive and taking bold steps. Well, I, I certainly would not claim that I know just always how to hear God's voice and know exactly what to do. I would absolutely not claim that. I, I am a man that needs to learn and want to learn and continue to learn. But I would say this, that by the grace of God, I, I believe that I have learned uh, to listen to God to such degree that he can guide me, he can lead me, he can inspire me uh, as to what to preach. Uh, today is Friday. Today is Friday. I still don't know what I'm going to preach this coming Sunday. And there's going to be hundreds of people there. I totally depend on the inspiration of wow. God before I can preach. And I 100% depend 
on the anointing of God while I preach. So I'm a very dependent man on God. I I couldn't I couldn't do what what some pastors would do to just uh, talk there for an hour or two hours or whatever. I I I, I would run out. I depend on the anointing of God. So um, I have I have learned that, and I think well I know that God knows that I need it, and that I so much depend on it. Uh, I value I value God's voice very 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 highly very highly because I need it so badly, and I know that it speaks it takes Him to speak through me to the people, otherwise it's useless. But in my personal life as well, uh, I would definitely not claim that I have just learned on, on, in all instances how to do it. No, I I would say, Jim, that I have, I have room to grow and I want to learn just how to listen to him. But again, I am extremely thankful for how he guides me, how he leads me uh, in times that we are in, like right now, when my reputation in town is being slandered like it never has been when people speak evil of me like they never have uh if i didn't hear the sweet voice of god comforting me strengthening me it, it would be more difficult wow so much passion thank you for that pastor um i don't know where we go from there i can see the passion in in your voice and i just uh i wonder you know this i become more and more aware that this is a spiritual battle that yes, everything sir. i face right now whether it's censorship or government tyranny or i mean i got banned from my local beaches for a week last last week like they we were playing music on the beach and this uppity security company just said you're not allowed back for a week and every time i entered the beach they called the cops on me and i you know, I'm not looking for trouble, but I want to go to the beach. I go to the beach in the morning with my coffee, and I watch the sunsets there. And my faithful men, friends, will remind me that this is not a war of this world. This is right. a spiritual battle that we're fighting. I appreciate your takes on that. It's very, very much a spiritual battle, very much so. Um, it's a, Because if you look just with your natural eyes, you look out the window trees are green it's raining it's nice it's beautiful and yet there's such tremendous war going on um between righteousness and unrighteousness between god and the devil light and darkness there's just such a tremendous war going on and i think uh it is well it's of such importance that we would not fail the people now when they needed us the most is right now is people are so afraid and so confused and so troubled and oh i i feel like it's such it's of such importance that we as leaders pray through to god and that we are equipped not out of ourselves but out of with god's help be equipped and strengthen them and help them and encourage them and lead them and show them by example that we can we don't have to be afraid that we, god has not given us the spirit of fear but the spirit of power that we can go on we can we have a foundation to stand on but yes it's jim it's very very much a spiritual war expand a little bit on the opportunity that christians are faced with right now after 9 11 i said i predicted that men and women would go back to their faith, their churches, their gardens, their dinner parties, and their families because they realized what was important. Regardless of your take on what 9-11 represented, 
it was a shift. It was a paradigm shift for many of the human race, I think. I don't think it happened at the level that I was expecting it to. Mm -hmm. And now we see division everywhere in politics. I think it started with Obama. Trump certainly exasperated it. Now we got Biden completely blowing the chasm wide open. I wonder what your thoughts are on the opportunity in the empty space that COVID has cleared, uh, masks, vaccines. There's an opportunity here. You know, I, I saw a meme of the Bible section at Walmart early into this pandemic. And I said, you know what? Here's another example where people are going to be forced to go back to their families, realize what was important. Maybe even that includes going to, back to God or seeing God for the first time. I just uh, appreciate your your take on opportunity as a Christian man and what today's political and cultural climate leaves open as empty space, like a weedless garden to sow seeds into that people are coming back. And how do we exasperate that? How do we exploit that opportunity that we're, we are as Christian leaders and people that are fishing for souls? So Jim, we know that the length of this, uh, so-called pandemic that we're in, the length of this battle is what really, really drags people down. Um, at first, they thought, well, if it's a couple of weeks, you know, then we're through it and we're all good. But now the length of it is what's breaking us down. Uh, also, I think people are very, very disappointed um, to recognize that government leaders are not our saviors. I think a government leader can be a tremendous help. And like we said earlier in this conversation here, there's men that are uh, right now rising that are recognizing um, that, that we need God and the importance of God, right? But it is, not a, it is not a certain government leader. It's not a certain president that will heal the nation, that will take care of the sin problem, that will take care of, of, of the suicide rates and things. They can be a big help. They, they can be a help in, in God's hands. But we need a savior, Jesus Christ, by the blood that he shed on Calvary. It is that. And right now, I don't know of a better opportunity. And that's why I think it is so wrong, so wrong that the churches are closed, the church buildings are closed or have been to a large degree. Why? Why? When they when they when the church houses would have been filled, and you know what? Those that were open were filled because people are hungry, people are starving right now for the spiritual food. People are not satisfied by just letting a government official tell them, oh, it'll be all right, and just get this experimental injection and you will be fine. No, it does not take care of it. It doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, the souls are screaming. The souls are longing to be, to make peace with their maker. And right now is pastor's time. Right now is preacher's time. Right now it's our time to, to call uh, out and preach our hearts out and lead the people to God and invite them in and show them how to do it and help them to pray through uh, to salvation uh, oh, there's such a golden opportunity right now. I can hardly take it. That's why I take. That's why I'm here on this on this interview with you. I say yes. Somebody else asked me, "Can you come on?" Yes. Can you be on Facebook? Yes. Can you be on YouTube? Yes. Just wherever I can, give me a platform because right now, 
like I said, is peace, pastor's time, is, is preacher's time. Let's bring the people to Christ now while the harvest is, the fields are white. Where are the laborers? We see a major distraction in mainstream media away from the real issues. I, yes. I'm interested in what you think those are. For me, the everything starts with fatherlessness. We are our youth are being corrupted by not having men in the house, especially in the States in the black community. Um, what uh, human trafficking, sex traffic, you know, like, I mean, there's a we have a lot of major pedophilia, like um, deep state, you know, I wonder what you consider some of the, the really latent issues that have been buried in favor of a distraction, whether it be vaccines, masks, COVID, what have you, what do you think we're, being distracted away from that you would draw attention to as far as issues go so was it what was it two weeks ago we had father's day right um i took that whole sunday morning and i don't know exactly how long i preached probably anywhere between 30 minutes and 60 minutes somewhere there and i felt so burdened so burdened about god's structure of the family unit really if we look at it what we are facing right now worldwide, nationwide, worldwide, what we're facing is a lack of real men, real men. And if I think we have been, we have seen such an attack on manhood, such an attack on fathers, that we have so few left, that it is difficult, very, very difficult um, for for the uh, uh, human family. Well, and interesting enough, we call it a family, right? The human family needs to have a structure and i was telling the people i said it doesn't mean that father is worth more than mother i said not at all they just have different callings different places Amen. i said when father takes his place mother's place is complimented mm -hmm. she can even do better uh, i feel like that are the greatest attack and this is tremendously promoted by mainstream media is to uh, emasculate man and make it all effeminate. Um, it, it, it just is. We, we, we see what they're doing. We see the agenda they are, they, are, they are pushing. It is that, it is that. And I'm taking a clear stand against it. I'm saying, man, let's rise up. Let's rise up like this one uh, station called us. They said the church of God there has some burly man. I said, yes, thank you for the term. I said, uh, God needs some burly men that are strong uh, and that are, uh, I said, the women were not made from underneath our feet. They, God made them from our side and they're by our side and we ought to be the man that will support them. And we ought to be men of prayer. Uh, when the family needs prayer, the father should be the first uh, to be called up on uh, that he's ready any moment call on God. Uh, he needs to assist the family. He needs to lead uh, the family to Christ uh, and so on and on. Anyway, it, I, I felt like the Lord helped us to preach a, a strong message on the, the necessity of masculine man in our time. I would agree with you on the point that there is a war on masculinity. It seems like it's almost a perversion of, yes. of so many things to make the left and the right hate each other so much and men and women you know really at each other's throats i think that you know that's we've got a long way to go there for sure but uh i really appreciate your time i want to keep you on time at the same time i want to give you a chance to uh 
close out with anything that you may have missed as far as messages go or what we can do to support you or uh, I, I'll put the link to your church services, which is Sunday at 10.30. We're probably pretty competitive with a bunch of 10.30 services, but just uh, in closing, any uh, words you have, you're welcome to. Thank you so much. Um, my greatest burden is that God would be glorified in this time and that I could be a useful tool in his hands to wake up people and uh, bring them back, bring them back to reality, bring them back to what it needs to be, and bring the people back on the foundation, which is God, which is the word of God, that we would, uh, when I say we, I speak generally, that we would repent of the coldness, of the uh, lukewarmness, repent of it, and get back to God, and be the nation that we need to be and be the Canada that we need to be to be able to invite people like we used to and say, look, if there's religious persecution, come to Canada. Here we have religious freedom. Well, we're trusting that we can get back there again. But my prayer is to be a Daniel, to be like the three Hebrews were, to be like the apostles were, to stand there firm and faithful that people can count on, that we can bring them back to Christ. That is my burden. That's my prayer. And I thank every single one that is praying for me, that is praying for us, supporting us. We greatly, greatly appreciate it and greatly need it. I, I wish that God would bless you richly. Pastor Henry, I love you. Thank you for the time. And I've never done this before, but, um, and I can't believe I prayed to open this uh, meeting before we uh, went live here. But uh, if I could impose on you a prayer uh, to close things out, uh, that'd, that'd be great. Thank Please you. Please do so. No, I'd love for you to pray out. If I you will don't do mind. that. All right. I will thank do you, that. sir. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much that we have you to come to lord i thank you for this opportunity to have this conversation with jim here lord i ask that you would help us individually everyone that might hear this help us all dear god that we will we would fulfill the purpose in our life lord you have called us to a, uh, a very important duty lord we were born for a time such as this god help us that we would not fail the people the souls that are seeking you when they needed us the most. Lord, I ask that you would bless us and help us, dear Father, to be powerful for you, powerful tools, dear God. Lord, we so much want to hear the words, well done, thou faithful servant. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us, God, to be what we need to be, dear Father, we pray in Jesus' precious name. And I ask that you would bless every soul out there. Father, those that are not saved, Bring them into this wonderful, wonderful experience of salvation, experience of joy and peace in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulation. Lord, help every single one. I pray, Father, that you would do that and help bless the work that Jim is doing. Help, Lord, that the word would go out. Help us, oh God, Father, that we would labor, Lord, as you have called us to. Lord, the fields are white and few are the laborers. Help me personally, dear God, to be faithful until the end. I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I really appreciate your time. Good luck on this journey. Um, I hope it doesn't 
get any worse for you. I hope the political pendulum starts to swing back. I hope you're right that people are going to start waking up, seeing the truth. I give these lefties another nine or ten months. I give them two years from the first lockdown to look back at their life and Mm -hmm. notice that the impact of this flu, for lack of a better term, has not really been as as impactful as the shutdowns have been you know the the suicide rates or drug abuse rates or domestic violence rates are through the roof children are suffering at a a huge rate with this masking and stuff like this i really hope that it starts to swing back so i hope you're right in that in that respect but uh thank you very much i love you and i appreciate the the time this has been a little bit outside of my comfort zone um but i'm i'm getting better at it so (laughs) i just mean talking to men of faith publicly it's uh it really, uh, I don't know how it makes me anything other than super vulnerable because I don't feel like I'm good at this, you know? Um, I've got so much to learn, and I could be so so much more faithful and a, a better Christian. So when I interview men like you, it's always kind of uh, a little intimidating. So I appreciate your time and your generosity and your grace. Well, I thank you so much for having me, and I, I trust the Lord will bless you for making this opportunity for me. If you had not done it this morning, I would probably not have spoken at this hour, and it was you that the Lord was able to use, and I thank you very, very kindly for it. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. I'm going to end our broadcast now, and uh, at least this part of it, and uh, I hope to see you soon. If you ever come back to uh, Niagara, your people have my contact. I'm glad to uh, meet up with you for a walk on the beach. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jim. You're welcome. My pleasure. Yep. God bless. Bye bye. Oh, that's how you do that. Pastor Henry Hildebrandt. This is where you find him right here. Wow. I. It leaves me um, feeling inadequate when I speak to men with that type of faith you can find him here at the church of God.net his contact information is there on the front page so is the service times and I'm grateful I met him the other day at the event at Queenston Heights he was there with Randy Hillier and Max Bernier and I got to meet all those guys for the first time, including Pastor Henry. And his contact point person was generous and booked me quickly. And I've got nothing but gratitude. So God bless. Thanks for checking it out. And there's another broadcast that I didn't swear once in. <laughs> Peace, love, hug your neighbor. And for crying out loud, take that filthy diaper off your fudge. It's not doing anything. Primo, thanks for coming out, man. Wow, man, that was very good. I didn't have time for right now, but I had to watch it all. Couldn't stop. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I hear you, Primo. Thanks. We'll talk soon. I am out.